Amen. Well, good morning, Lakeview. You guys can have a seat. <laughs> it is so wonderful to be up on this stage today, uh, really to just bring a good and true word from our Lord today. Um, every time I do anything for the Lord, I just remind myself that this is the day that the Lord has made. And the joy that I get from remembering that is my strength to do what he has called me to do every step of the way. For those of you who don't know my name, my name is Christian Kelly, Pastor Christian. We've got so many Chris's around here. We've got Christian, Pastor Chris, got Chris Ann in the office, who also goes by Chris. Um, I am one of the many Chris's. Uh, sometimes we spell my name with an X-I-A-N, like Christ, you know. I'm not saying I'm Christ by any means, but <laughs> Pastor Chris did it first, and I liked it, so... Now, my name is Pastor Christian, and I am the worship pastor here. I also take care of facilities, so I am so sorry if it is cold near the back of the room today. I haven't been worried about the temperature too much, um, as I am more worried about bringing a word to the uh, word of God to you today. And quite frankly, um, it brings me so much joy, not only to be able to bring a good word of the Lord to you, but to do all of the other things that I do. I get to lead a, a wonderful team of technicians up in the booth um, who are on our soundboard, who are working um, on our screens, who are taking pictures to make sure that we have an idea of who's here and who's not here. We have this wonderful worship team, and I just want to give a, a huge shout out to Josh Huff, who uh, was here to fill in and, and lead worship for us today. Can we just give Josh uh, some praise this morning? Thank you, Josh. Thank you. Every single day, every single moment, my hope is that I can sit and listen for what God has to say to me. And I, I want to just take a quick moment to lead us in an exercise. This exercise, I was being a little bit too ambitious when I was thinking of what this exercise would look like. I really wanted to do this exercise where we would all sing in parts and I would make this part go up uh, a half step and do all these chords, but I'm not Jacob Collier, if you know who that is. Um, unfortunately, that would have possibly been a train wreck on me. Um, so instead, what we're going to do is we're going to play a quick game of Simon Says. Have you guys ever played Simon Says before? <laughs> Raise your hand if you do know what Simon Says is. Okay. <laughs> so this will be, uh, instead of Simon Says, it'll be Pastor Christian Says. And if you don't know how to play this game, let me give it to you straight. When I say, Pastor Christian says, you do whatever I say. If I don't say, Pastor Christian says, don't do what I say. Does that sound pretty easy? Okay, here we go. You guys ready? Pastor Christian says, touch your nose. All right, all right, you guys are doing good. Pastor Christian says, with that same hand, touch your forehead. Pastor Christian says, touch your right ear. Pastor Christian says, uh, raise your left hand. Okay, good. I raised, I raised my right hand, so I hope that didn't trick you guys up a little bit. <laughs> uh, raise your left hand. Ooh, some of you guys, one, raised the wrong hand because I said left hand, which should have already been up, and I didn't say Pastor Christian says. <laughs> Uh, Pastor Christian says, pat your head. Pastor Christian says, rub your stomach. Pastor Christian says, stop. Pastor Christian says, start doing that again. Stop. Oh, man, you guys are good and bad at this game. <laughs> 
Amazing. So many of you guys were able to follow directions. Some of you who weren't following directions so well were, in fact, able to catch on to the way of the game simply by looking around at the other people uh, next to you. And some of you didn't even try to play the game because, quite frankly, who wants to listen to a scraggy-headed preacher boy uh, tell you what to do when it has nothing to do with the Word of God? Amen? <laughs> And that's totally fine with me, but today I hope each and every single one of you has a heart to hear um, what the Lord has to say rather than what I have to say. Can we all just uh, commit to doing that this morning? Okay. Looking, on the, looking back uh, just on the previous few weeks, we had a wonderful kickoff to this Advent season. We had Mark Schnell uh, talking to us about the birth of John the Baptist. And uh, do you guys remember his, his three main points? That was like three weeks ago, so it was a little, bit while, a little while ago. Uh, the first one, I'll give you a little bit of a hint. God's blessings come, shout it out if you know it, in his time. God's blessings come in his time. Point number two that we heard, God's blessings bring glory to his name. And number three, God's blessings are bigger than our asking. We are reminded that when we are seeking after whatever it is that God would have us to do, that we must trust that he is so good and then have the patience for whatever it may be, for it's going to be so much better than whatever we can ask or imagine. Week two, Pastor Jared, I was cracking up the whole time when Pastor Jared was preaching. If you missed that message a couple weeks ago, you need to go back and watch it because it's like a comedy special. <laughs> I have my wife Ashlyn over there nudging me like, calm down, it wasn't that funny, but no, it was hilarious. And also, uh, Jared, you spoke the word of God, and uh, I am great that you, or I'm grateful that you called me a loser. <laughs> Pastor Jared reminded us that God uses even the most losingest losers to fulfill his plan and bring his kingdom to this world. Uh, speaking of losers, uh, Pastor Jared asked me earlier this week if I was going to rag on him during my sermon like I did the last time I preached. Did you catch that one, Jared? <laughs> but I'm, I'm not going to do that this week, if that's okay with you. <laughs> Believe it or not, God can use each and every single one of us to fulfill his plan here on the earth. And he wants each of us involved in his business of the kingdom of God being made known and being present here as it is in heaven. And then last week, Pastor Jessica, phenomenal uh, message that you gave us, reminding us of all of the plot twists in the story of God. Um, God has used so many different people from so many different backgrounds and oftentimes people who don't fit in with the norm, who don't fit in with the cultural norms, who don't fit in with the societal norms, people who we would not expect to be used by God really paved the way and were used by God to bring Jesus to this world, whether it was through genealogy or, or, or a family lineage. Um, each and every single one of us can play a part of that. No matter where your life has been, God can make a plot twist happen in your life as well. Pay attention to the ways that God is continuing to change your life in miraculous ways to fulfill his plan. And that brings us today, and today I really believe that God has been asking me to help us listen a little bit better. Listen for his voice amongst the noise of the world so that we too can be part of this story, not because we're forced to, but because we've listened to his voice and we've responded to it. Today we get to be part of God's story 
so that he can be a part of the story in our families, so that he can be a part of the story in our schools, in our jobs, in our careers, in our cities, in our states, and in our country, and make change across this entire world. And it is a miracle. It is a miracle that we get to hear him speak and that we get to respond and be a part of this miraculous story. Today we're going to look at the story of Joseph, uh, the earthly father of Jesus, and what role he played in the Christmas story. And while Joseph was a very important part and a very important character of the story of Jesus, I think it's very easy to overlook um, the importance of his role. Um, Other denominations and other traditions have actually venerated him as a a saint, Saint Joseph, for the role he played, or, or they called Joseph the protector of the faith because, quite frankly, he listened to God and protected Jesus in his early years. Uh, Joseph is actually pretty important, and the way that he became important uh, is something that we should pay attention to. So let's go ahead and take a look at Matthew chapter 1. This is continuing from Jessica's passage last week, starting in verses 18 through 25 from the New Living Translation. Would you read uh, this with me? This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph, but before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child, she will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, He did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. And he did not have any sexual relations with her until her son was born and Joseph named him Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Looking back on my life, I remember a time uh, when I was a kid (laughs) and One of my favorite things uh, to do when I was a kid was run around the neighborhood. Um, It was actually pretty safe to run around the neighborhood back then. We would go all over the place. Like, we'd go a mile into the woods by my house. Parents wouldn't worry about us too much, and then hopefully we would get back by dusk. Um, If they didn't, then the neighborhood just went out and looked for us. There was a couple times where I remember going out and my neighbor, Willie, from down the street showed up in the middle of the woods looking for me uh, because we were lost and we didn't know what we were doing. We didn't know what time it was. <laughs> so there were uh, so many areas where we could have gotten lost. We were in this middle, the middle of this dense forest. Um, there were f- these huge trees back there, trees that had fallen down, uh, brambles, thickets, creeks, riverbeds, all sorts of wild animals. In our neighborhood, it would be regular occurrence to see a deer just strolling right down the street. Um, I remember one time I even saw like a coyote strolling down the street. Um, 
There's plenty of birds, both big and small, squirrels everywhere, like everywhere. Walnuts, you had to watch out for walnuts falling from the trees. Um, and lots of aquatic animals and, and mammals and whatever else uh, living in the pond that stretches the whole length of our neighborhood. I actually live in the same neighborhood as uh, Jerry and Carolyn Hoover growing up, and we probably caused a whole lot of trouble for them when I was little as well. Uh, more often than not, my brothers and I, along with the neighborhood kids, we'd go out into the woods at either end of our street. One end of our street was literally just woods. The other end of our street was uh, fertile hunting grounds. Um, we went there, but we probably shouldn't have. Uh, we did not wear orange vests, and we could have gotten mistaken for a uh, game. So a lot of the times we went the other direction to the area that was not fit for hunting. Um, we would play in the streets, we would build forts in these woods, we'd play airsoft with one another, all these fun, dangerous things that kids really don't do a whole lot of nowadays. Um, we would be out there for hours and hours and hours at a time, we'd come back with bumps and scrapes, and we'd, we'd hopefully get back, like I said, by the time it got dark. Because um, honestly, who knows what kind of scary beasts were out there as a, as a 10, 11, 12-year-old. You just never know what's going what's gonna to come up and get you. As we got more used to the woods, we got a little bit more confident. We went in deeper. We explored some more. Um, and some of the older kids in our neighborhood actually told us about this. Oh, my goodness. It was like the most enigmatic thing you could find. It was like a, I'm trying to think of an example of it. It was just this big cliff in the middle of these woods. And it was like, you think of a fairy tale um, just wonderland of trees and mushrooms and, and fairies and sprites all over the place. That's the way that they described it to us. So here we go. We've gotten confident to this point. We want to find this cliff, and we want to climb the cliff um, and just have a good time in the woods. <laughs> That's really all we tried to do. So obviously, we're going to go and look for this elusive cliff and scale it at no matter what the cost. They told us where to start, how long to travel for, the direction we needed to head. It was really just a straight trip as long as we didn't uh, turn a little bit when we hit a tree or something like that. So off we went. And as time went on, uh, we probably ought to have turned back. We hadn't found this cliff yet. Um, and unfortunately, we weren't quite so familiar with this part of the woods. And of course, we got lost. We got lost. Lost in the middle of a forest with coyotes, with possums, with raccoons, uh, with all sorts of fun, scary animals. So there's lots of snakes out there, too, which we caught snakes when it was light outside, but when it was dark and you couldn't see the snakes, you don't want to touch a snake. Um, lost in the middle of this forest, and unfortunately, my couple years of oh, Cub Scout training and my one year of Boy Scout training did not help me in finding True North. Sorry, Bob. <laughs> Quite frankly, I just needed to find my way out of here or something familiar. We uh, later learned that we needed to uh, start tying orange bands around trees so that we could find a way back. We didn't learn that for years later. Uh, we're just silly kids. Um, but then I heard something. I heard... Did you guys hear that? Okay. That was a very familiar sound to me. And obviously, if you didn't hear that, you might need a hearing aid. Um, <laughs> thank you, Dad. That was my dad, by the way. <laughs> the sound of my dad whistling. That was the cue that it was time to get our butts home. Sorry. Time to get our rear ends home. And if we didn't get ourselves home, the neighborhood would be out looking for us, of course. This whistle was so loud, 
and so prominent like in my brain that as soon as I heard that noise, as soon as all the neighborhood animals heard that noise, everything came running. Everything. <laughs> everything came running. Every dog that we have ever had uh, from the time that I was little, that was the sound that was made uh, to draw them back in. They'd go run out into the fields or run across the highway, but when they heard that sound, they came running. <laughs> they came running. Um, so in the middle of this wilderness, in the middle of this dark, dark forest where I was lost, where me and the, my friends were lost, we heard this sound coming from a specific direction, and finally we knew which way we needed to go to get out of this forest. Calling my father, the voice of my father, was what brought peace to my desperate situation. Surely enough, I made it out of, the wood, out of the woods safely, and as I continued to listen for my dad's whistle, um, he would, every couple minutes or so, give another whistle just to make sure we heard him the first time. Um, we made it out of the woods safely. Well, my dad may not have known where we were or that we were lost in the woods. He still did what he always did. He whistled to us. He called out to us, calling us home and expected us to be listening for him no matter what it was. There wasn't a single moment where that whistle happened when I was within earshot of it that I didn't hear it and I knew what it meant. What in the world does that have to do with Joseph? I don't know. Sorry. <laughs> Sermon over. That was my story for today. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. So Joseph, when I think of the story of Joseph, I, I, I want to know a little bit more about who he is because the Bible doesn't give us a whole lot of background on who Joseph really is. Um, the things that we do know about Joseph are that he is a Jew. He's a righteous person. Joseph knew the commandments. He knew the scriptures. Um, right before this, there was about 400 years of silence where prophets weren't speaking. Prophets weren't giving the word of God to the people of God. And Joseph was in the scriptures. He, he, he was invested in what it meant to be a holy and righteous Jew at that time. So he had these scriptures. He knew who the father was. That's what I'm trying to say. Remember, we learned that Joseph was a descendant of King David, part of the lineage that, that Jessica shared with us in the first part of Matthew chapter 1. Um, we know that Joseph was betrothed to Mary, or in other words, they was about to get married. Um, I just, I'm just so thankful that Mark came up here and helped you tell that story last week. That was just so great. And uh, Mark helped us to explain that Mary, she was pregnant, and uh, her response to God was, okay. <laughs> okay. Joseph had a dream. That's one of the last things that we hear about Joseph, uh, and, and it happens a few times. Joseph had a dream, and he did not ignore that dream but I, I, I sit here and I ponder, why did Joseph not ignore that dream? How many other dreams might he have had during this time about who knows what? There was a census going on in this time where the government was taking count of everything, okay? And you never knew who you were going to come across. Was it going to be a nice centurion guard or an, a, a bad centurion guard? Was it going to be a nice tax collector or an evil tax collector? Joseph could have had a dream where all of his money was taken away and only one of them was counted in the census. Who knows? Joseph could have been worried that he was married or going to be getting married to someone who is pregnant of whom he was not married to yet, which would have been against the law, and he would have been in big trouble. I would have had a nightmare about something like that if I was worried about what would happen after that. 
Why wasn't he paying attention to those kinds of dreams? He was probably having dreams about where he would end up with this pregnant wife. And of course, we know later in the story, they end up at this inn and they, and they find this stable and they find this manger. But I would have been worried about those kinds of dreams. I would have been worried about the darkness of that day. We see in the prophecies of the Messiah coming in Isaiah that this Messiah, Emmanuel, God with us, is going to come to a time of darkness, come to a people in darkness. I would have worried about the darkness going on around us. I would have been having dreams of where am I going to get my next meal? Where am I going to find food for my camel? They're riding on camelback from here to here. There was a lot of darkness. So what made this dream so important to Joseph to respond to it? What made this dream so important for Joseph to respond to it? My hunch is that it's because it was a dream that was familiar. The voice that spoke in the dream was familiar. Perhaps it was because it was the voice of his father. And when the voice of his father spoke to him in this dream, he recognized it. And he responded to it. Hmm. Just think about that for a second. Why did Joseph respond to that dream? I'm going to lay down some facts for you. Lay down some facts for you. The first one of these facts, and if you have your bulletin, there might be some notes on the back of it where you can do some fill in the blank. So this is the first one of those. Um, it won't be on the screen because I hope you're actually just really listening right now. That's the theme of today is that we're listening, okay? So this is the first one of these notes on the back of your bulletin. God is always speaking. God is always speaking. And he speaks to us in a variety of ways. He speaks to us through his word, which is the logos, the logos word. We have this thing called the Bible. And if we are familiarizing ourselves with the Bible, we are more receptive to what the Father's voice will sound like when he speaks to us in other ways. So first and foremost, God is always speaking through his word, the Bible, which we've had for a very, very long time, and which will always give a return for when it is read. It does not return void when it is read. It is valuable. In fact, it is the first place that we ought to go to learn of the voice of the Father, is through his word, the Bible. The second way that God is always speaking to us is in our hearts and in our minds. This is called the Rima word. Do you ever just sit and think about something for a moment and then you are spurred on by something to do something else? And sometimes we ignore those urges. Sometimes we don't pay attention to those urges. Sometimes we don't listen. And then there's other times when we have this urge to help somebody. We have this urge to go and do something different and listen to the voice that is speaking to us saying, go and help this person. Go give this person something. That is the Holy Spirit speaking to you. That is God speaking to you. 
God also speaks to us through our circumstances. I think I can uh, speak for a large majority of people that we have all gone through some stuff. We have all gone through something in which God is able to speak a truth about us, a truth about himself, and really just change our life through those circumstances. I think of a time where I was um, at a camp, at camp, um, oh, I forget the name of the camp now. Um, anyways, it was, it was youth camp, and we were at this um, lake, Pine Lake. That's the word I was thinking of. We were at Pine Lake, and if any of you have been to Pine Lake, it's kind of dangerous. It's a dangerous place to be. And the circumstance that I found myself in is that I was showing off to my friends, and I decided that I was going to swim under this floating buoy. I couldn't find my way out from under the buoy, but I f- swam underneath of this buoy, and something pulled me out. Something pulled me out from under this buoy and saved my life. My friends were on the opposite side of that. I don't know what it was, but through that circumstance, I felt the tangible presence of God speaking to me, saying, you are safe and you are mine and you are in my hands. Many of us might not experience something like that, but that is something that we must pay attention to. God speaks to us through miraculous circumstances, whether it's the voices um, that we hear, whether it's angels coming to us. There's so many stories in the story of Christ where angels appear, whether it's in a dream or they appear to somebody else. And that's terrifying. <laughs> it's, it's very terrifying when, it, when an angel shows up in these stories. But there's no other choice that we have but to listen in these miraculous occurrences that can happen to us. When we ignore them, we ignore God speaking directly to us in profound and miraculous ways. So that's number one. Number two that's on your, on your notes here. The, uh, God, God speaks to us in many ways. That's number two. And, and here's the ways that he actually talks to us aside from those tangible things I was talking about. It's the actual co- uh, um, content of his voice, but also the tone of his voice that we have to pay attention to. God speaks to us in a thunderous voice sometimes. And in 2 Samuel twenty-two fourteen, it says, the Lord thundered from heaven, the voice of the Most High resounded. Sometimes he's loud, sometimes it's very obvious what he is saying to us. Yet sometimes he speaks in a small, still voice, like we see in 1 Kings chapter 19, verses 11 through 13. It says, go out, Stand before me on the mountains, the Lord told him. And as Elijah stood there, the Lord passed by. And a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. What, what, what storms are you in right now? What storms are you in right now? It was such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose, but the Lord was not in the wind. You might be in circumstances right now that seem so much more than what you can handle. And the Lord is not in those bad things. The Lord is not in those evil things, not in those distractions. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in a fire. After the fire, there was a sound of a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And a voice said, what are you doing here, Elijah? 
Sometimes he speaks to us in a still small voice in the middle of a loud, distracting storm. So often we put our focus on those big, distracting storms that we miss out on that, that small, still voice. Sometimes he speaks to us in dreams and visions. There are so many examples of ways that God has spoken to his faithful servants through a dream or a vision or a thought. I could give you a list, so let me know if you'd like that list because there's a lot of them <laughs> all throughout the Old Testament, all throughout the New Testament where God speaks through dreams and visions. God speaks in so many ways and we have got to be listening and paying attention for his voice. Otherwise, we may end up missing it. Every single one of us can listen to and hear the voice of God. And you might be uh, somebody who, who has never heard the voice of God. You might be somebody who says, I don't even know who God is. But let me tell you this. You can hear God's voice and you can learn to listen to his voice. Why are we all able to do this? And it's kind of an obvious answer um, if you've been in Sunday school for your whole life, but it's, it's Jesus. The reason that we are all able to listen and hear God's voice is because of Jesus. God's final word is his son, Jesus. Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 through 5 says this, Long ago, God spoke many times and in many ways to our ancestors through the prophets. And now in these final days, he has spoken to us through his son. God promised everything to the son as an inheritance. And through the son, he created the universe. The son radiates God's own glory and expresses the very character of God. And he sustains everything by the mighty power of his command. When he had cleansed us from our sins, he sat down in the place of honor at the right hand of the majestic God in heaven. This shows that the Son is far greater than the angels, just as the name God gave him is greater than their names. When we come close to Jesus, we are coming close to God the Father. When we learn about the things that Jesus said and the things that Jesus did, we are learning about what God has done and what God has done to change this world. So what? What does this have to do with us? What makes Joseph res Joseph's response to God so important, and how can we learn from it today? I want to uh, read a passage from you um, out of John chapter 10. It's a little bit longer, so, so just pay attention to this one for me. This is John chapter 10, verses 1 through 21. I tell you the truth, anyone who sneaks over the wall of a sheepfold rather than going through the gate must surely be a thief and a robber, but the one who enters through the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep recognizes his voice and come to him. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. After he has gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them, and they follow him because they know his voice. They won't follow a stranger. They will run from him because they do not know his voice. Those who heard Jesus use this illustration didn't understand what, they meant, what he meant. So he explained it to them. I tell you the truth, I am the gate for the sheep. 
All who come before me are thieves and robbers, but the true sheep did not listen to them. Yes, I am the gate. Those who come in through me will be saved. They will come and go freely and will find good pastures. The thief's purpose is to steal, to kill, and to destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for his sheep. A hired hand will run when he sees a wolf coming. He will abandon the sheep because they don't belong to him and he isn't their shepherd. So the wolf attacks them and scatters the flock. The hired hand runs away because he's working for only money and doesn't really care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and they know me. Just as my father knows me and I know the father, so I sacrifice my life for the sheep. I have other sheep too that are not in this sheepfold. I must bring them also. They will listen to my voice and there will be one flock with one shepherd. The father loves me because I sacrificed my life so I may take it back again. No one can take my life from me. I sacrifice it voluntarily. For I have the authority to lay it down when I want and also to take it up again. For this is what my father has commanded. When he said these things, the people were again divided in their opinions about him. And some said, he's demon-possessed and out of his mind. Why listen to a man like that? Others said, this doesn't sound like a man possessed by a demon. Can the demon open the eyes of the blind? So whose voice are you listening to? Who is Joseph listening to? Each and every single one of us who considered Jesus as our shepherd And for those of you who don't consider Jesus as your shepherd, he is a good shepherd. And he will guide you to green pastures. And he will help you in all of life's circumstances find out what is the most right thing to do if you listen to him and you give him your attention. Each and every single one of us who considered Jesus as our shepherd had better be familiar with his voice or else we will become lost much in the same way that I knew my dad's voice when I was lost in the woods. We too must learn to listen for the voice of our good shepherd Jesus. I love how in verse five of that passage I just read, it said, they won't follow a stranger. Why? Because they don't know his voice. Joseph knew the voice of the father and listened. He obeyed and he gave him a spot in the greatest story ever told the greatest story of redemption and grace the world could have ever known. And you have the opportunity each and every single day to get to know the voice of God so that you can respond and be a part of his story of redemption and grace now. God is still in the business of making things new, changing lives, bringing grace and love, peace and joy, and redemption to this world. So here's my challenge for you today. And I want you just to think about a few questions that I'm going to ask, and some of them might, might hurt a little bit when I ask them. But ask yourself, why do these questions hurt, or why do they confuse me? Are you too busy to hear his voice? Are you too distracted to hear God's voice? Are you not familiar enough with his voice? Are you too invested in the false prophets of the Republican or Democrat parties to hear his voice? Are you too invested in Fox or CNN 
Trump or Biden to actually hear his voice? Are you too busy scrolling Facebook or TikTok or Twitter to worry about what God may be asking you to do for a neighbor who is hurting and in need? Are you too busy gossiping with your friends or gossiping with your coworkers to realize that God may be nudging you to give a little extra attention to your depressed coworker or friend that needs somebody right now, and God's telling you to go to them, but you're, instead you're too worried about something else that doesn't actually matter? Are you turning up the dial of the noise of this world from 10 to 11 when things get uncomfortable, blocking out every single voice instead of silencing those things and leaving room for the Father to speak? Are you too, too busy trying to please a worldly master, a worldly occupation, quite frankly not taking care of yourself well enough so that you can be responsive and listening to God? I think every single one of us can, can take one of these things and apply it to our lives, and it is imperative that we pay attention to the things that are taking our focus away from God. Because when we're taking our focus away from God, we're letting the world tell us who we are, what we should be doing, and taking, it down, taking us down with it. So many things can distract us from the voice of God, crying out to us, listening to him, and obeying his command. And when we're part of the flock of which Jesus is the shepherd, none of these other voices should sound familiar to us. When you turn the TV on again, you shouldn't say, oh yeah, I agree with that and I, I, I ascribe my life to that. Those voices, those false things should not be familiar to us when Jesus is our shepherd. When Jesus is our shepherd, nothing else in the world can get in our way from following his voice. Church, for those of you who consider yourselves a part of this flock, you cannot continue to listen to culture, to listen to the circumstances of life, the technology of today that is so addicting, your friends, your friends, the news, or anything else except for his voice. We just cannot do it. We've got to get better to listening to his voice and nothing else. And now I could just leave it here, but let me give you a little bit more guidance on that. How do we actually become familiar with his voice? This is the practical stuff. If you have room on your notes, write these things down. Read his word. His with a big H. Read his word, the Bible. We got to read it. We must test every thought Everything this world offers us, we have to test it against the scriptures. Take every thought captive and test it to the truth that can be found in his word. 2 Timothy 3 and verses 16 and 17 says that all scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses us to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. Joseph knew the scriptures. So when this thought, when this dream happened, he knew it was the voice of God because he was familiar with what the voice of God sounded like in that moment. 
He wasn't distracted by a dream about whether he was going to find a place to stay tonight. He was distracted by the dream that God told him he would be a part of the story of redemption. Number two, spend time with him. This is simple. Pray to him. Speak to him. Praise him. Give him your sorrows. Talk to him about everyday life. If we don't ask God for the desires of our hearts so much as so they're aligned with him, why would we even think he would give us what we need? If we don't talk to him and ask him to have a relationship with him, why would we expect him to do anything for us or guide us or help us if we're not following his lead as shepherd? One of my favorite things to do is just sit, listen to worship music, and praise his name. Do that. Number three, turn off the distractions. This seems so easy, so simple, but we have to turn off the distractions. It's imperative that we do not let the wolves in sheep's clothing get too close or even come near us. Turn off your phone. Delete Facebook. Get off TikTok. Get off YouTube. Start getting in the word instead of getting on the news. These are so basic, yet they're so hard for so many of us. Turn off the distractions. And four, and this is my favorite thing to do, spend time with the flock. Even when we get lost, even when we get a little bit astray, we still have people who we can look to who do know the Father, who do know his voice, and who can bring us back into the fold of God. When you are not spending time with the rest of the people who know God, you're only letting all of the wolves in sheep's clothing, you're letting the world drag you away from God. Especially when we're going through hard times, we cannot draw ourselves away from those people who are close from God. Because if we do not know the voice of the Father, those people know the voice of the Father, and they can speak to us and bring us back in. Who do you surround yourself with? Do you surround yourself with people who draw you away from the Father or draw you closer to him? Do not forsake gathering together. Do not forsake being with one another. Do not forsake encouraging one another. Now we're just going to take a moment real quick, and it's going to be a moment of silence, really, because I want you to take a moment and really pay attention to the voice of God guiding and directing you. Take a, take a second in these next 30 seconds to a minute. Think about the situation or the circumstances of life that you are in right now. Just think about what is going on in your life right now. Are there circumstances that are distracting you? Are you dealing with an addiction? Is your marriage great right now? but there's something distracting you? Are you so invested in the cultural, political climate that you don't listen to anything God has to say or you cloud his word with your political and cultural thoughts? And once you've taken a moment to think about the circumstances that you are in right now, just ask God to reveal to you, to speak to you about what he wants you to remove from your life. 
What does he want you to remove from your life? Or what does he want you to add to your life so that you can get to know him a little bit better and become more familiar with his voice? can't tell you how sweet it was when I was a kid after hearing my dad whistle really loud from who knows where. And I'd come running home. And after knowing his voice, recognizing his call and recognizing that he was speaking to me, to then go and run back to him and do what he said, how sweet it was to feel his embrace and to feel his love in every single moment of obedience and following him. So as we close out the service today, I want to challenge you guys. That moment of silence that we just had, do that every single day. Take a moment to reflect what's going on in your day. Take a moment to reflect what's going on in your life right now and ask God, reveal to me, speak to me. What do you want me to do, God? And be like Joseph. Respond. Respond to his voice. Respond to his voice. Would you bow your heads and pray with me? God, you are so good and your word is true. Nothing that you say to us, nothing that you have put in your word for us to read, none of that Nothing that you have to say is bad. Nothing that you have to say can distract us because those are the things that we need to be looking for, God. Would you continue to speak to us in our own individual ways that we can hear you better? Would you draw us to your word? Would you help us to take all distractions, get rid of any unhealthy and untrue voices in our lives? Help us to put our phones down, God. Help us to respond to you. And God, at the end of the day, when we look back, when we look back on what has just happened, may we be able to say that we heard your voice and we were able to respond to you. God, in this church, Would you just do a great work of getting us closer to you, getting to know you better, getting to know your voice better. And Lord, just as Joseph, the father of Jesus, had a dream, had a vision, and realized that it was your voice speaking to him, and he responded in obedience, may we do just the same in every way that you speak to us. May we not miss a moment when you're asking us to do something or speaking a truth over us. God, you are so good, and you speak truth. It is in Jesus' name that we all pray. Amen. Would you stand with me as we get sent out of this place today? Leave this place knowing that God is speaking to you, and may you have the patience May you have the open ears to hear him clearly. You are sent out in the name of the Lord.